So continuing on in verse 8, he mentions four motivation gifts, exhortation. Then he says, he who gives. So there's giving that's called by God. This prosperity teaching is not to make you wealthy and rich. That's the false, covetous, lying gospel. If you're prospering, the main purpose is that you'll be able to help and minister other people. It wasn't for yourself to live in luxury and have seven cars and five houses and think you're a king's kid. You have the devil. And some of these ministers brag that they're worth $300 million or a billion dollars. What's going to happen when they drop dead? The money ain't going to do them no good, and it should have been put to God's service, but it shows you they're greedy, covetous, idolaters, and they use religion to merchandise people, and they fool ignorant people to keep giving them money when they don't need money, okay? I'm talking about super abundance, okay? So he who gives according to God's measure. We're not just to give everything to anybody. We need wisdom sometimes. We can be conned. Sometimes God will let you be conned because he wants to teach you a lesson. Okay? So he said, if you give, you do it with liberality, generous. You don't be stingy. All Christians could do that. Like I say, all Christians have to be liberal to some degree. When they have an abundance, it's part of their life as a Christian. It's not all wound up in them. So we see you still have duty. So he said, if you give, be generous. God loves a cheerful giver. Under the law, the Pharisees would give, and they make sure everybody saw them given because the law required it. But often they didn't give in the other box, which was goodwill offerings, and well, they did the minimum because they were hypocrites and they tied the minimum and they got rich. And when the widow gave her little penny and nobody saw it, Jesus said she gives more than all of them did. They were given thousands and thousands of dollars, but they wanted people to see what they were doing. And he said they got their reward. And he said this woman gave more than all of them. See, he looked at the heart, the motivation. She didn't have nothing. He said she gave out of her need, even. See, she had a heart that moved her to serve the Lord. Okay. He who leads. Now we're talking about not just a, a five-fold ministry, because they do have to lead. This is more like administration and deacon's work and things that have to be done in a local gathering, administrations and so forth. He said be diligent about it. Be skillful about it. And you have to. He who shows mercy. Mercy is a great gift. Some people are given it in great measure. I've met a few. They're greater than the martyrs. People think the martyr's so great. Well, he's that great. He's doing his duty to live or die for the Lord. It's easy to be killed in a couple of hours. It ain't so easy to live 50 years and be faithful to the Lord and endure the world, the flesh, every day, they're the real martyrs. That's why I said, unless you take up your cross daily. So don't think just being martyred is such a great thing. In the early church, some wanted to be killed. They were wanting to throw their life away because they wanted to go be with Jesus. And they had to curtail this and say, that's not God's purpose. That don't make you special. If you're put in that category, that's different. 
He's called people to live. And that's a martyrdom to live years under burdens and great conflict. Paul found it very easy when they chopped his head off. He couldn't wait to go to heaven. All of his other sufferings, he thought this is probably nothing. Get on with it, with the axe. It was relieving him from this world, okay? People have misunderstanding of the suffering for the Lord. Hebrews says that some prolonged, they had the ability to pray, and they were being tortured, and they would be brought to account, and they could have had a quicker death. And Hebrews implied that they wanted something more, that the law they suffered in the Lord, they would get a greater resurrection. Can you imagine that? People don't even think about that. They, they understood something. They said, well, this is nothing. You know, I can endure more if I'll get a greater reward. Hebrews applies they did. Not accepting death at that time, they could have. You don't hear much of that, do you? Okay. Do it with cheerfulness. Showing mercy is one of the hardest because you have to put up with people over and over and over and they don't change and they don't, you keep doing it. Oh, and you keep helping certain, because they're, hate to pause the word, they're stupid. And some people are innocent and simple-minded and they're not that intelligent and they keep repeating and you have to help them and comfort the simple-minded. And you don't see no results. Well, it don't matter. People who take care of retarded people and stuff, they never see much results. But God sees the results for the Christian. So that's what I'm saying. The first are going to be last, and the last going to be first. Some of what we call great ministers may barely make it. And people we don't know, they bore with people for years, and nobody sees it, and God says that's first. So he evaluates everything properly. So the one who exhorts, the preacher, the one who proclaims the word, he stirs up using comfort, correction, instruction. He convicts, he admonishes. See, that's what he does. And it's the Spirit that does this through him. And Paul said, uh, we're the vessel, but we have the treasure. And the treasure cannot be revealed without the vessel. So, we're the copper wire. He's the electricity. Copper wire has no power in itself, but the electricity can't work without the wire. So we see the union of the two. So all fivefold ministries, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers, must have the gift at times of exhortation. They have to proclaim and speak forth and like I say, the apostle and the prophet has the other gifts under him. The apostle and prophet can evangelize. He can teach. He can pastor if necessary. Apostles had to establish local churches. They had to build them up, and then they could leave. They had to be able to do all of this. And it took time. Paul spent two and three years in some locations. So we have many that think they have great ministry. You can immediately tell they don't when they don't know scripture and they're heretics and they're tied to this world and prosperity and covetousness and greed and all of this is foolishness. They're not even saved. They teach what pleases worldly hearers, the false Christian, the worldly person that wants religion. He wants enough to make him happy that he can live his own life and not feel too guilty. So many 
exhorters. They can stir up people. I've heard them do it emotionally, and then they send the people to collect the money real quick while they're emotionally. See, all this emotion in church is vain. If there's nothing real, you can get emotional at a baseball game. You win a lottery, you'll be happy. It'll prove no spirituality. So that, that kind of stirring up is false. It ain't what the scripture's talking about. It's stirring up to serve the Lord and not be lazy and other things and giving them insight. That's what he's talking about. But these people stir people up and appeal to their greed and their money and their lifestyle. See, they want to find their life and they're going to lose it. See, they want the best of both worlds. It's not going to happen. See? So when people talk about prosperity and faith, look at what it is. Merchandising, money, covetousness, things, wealth, earthly things. Paul said, don't set your mind on earthly things. So if you've got that kind of money, well, you should have the gift of ministry of giving and showing mercy and hospitality. Mm -hmm. That proves them wrong. They're idolatrous, Paul said. He said, a covetous person is an idolater. And he said, then you know no covetous person has eternal life to them. That's Paul talking. Okay. So they teach what the people want to appeal to the people, unspiritual people. Okay. And they're false, and they make merchandise. Everything's money and given. It's interesting that they're all made wealthy themselves. That's amazing, isn't it? Okay, Second Peter, chapter 2, verse 14 and 15. They have eyes full of adultery, and they cannot cease from sin, deceiving unstable souls. They have a heart trained in greed and covetous practices, and are cursed children. Isn't that interesting? They have forsaken the right way and gone astray the way of Balaam, who loved the wages of unrighteousness. What was Balaam's sin? Greed. He wanted money and power. He was a Gentile prophet. The Lord used him. He called the Lord his God. And everything he said came to pass. But he all of a sudden started wanting money and power. He sold out. Uh-huh. It cost him his soul, too. Uh-huh. So one gives... Everyone, every Christian gives, if he's a true Christian. It could be money, material needs. It could be various things, various times. Aid, help, mercy, comfort, kindness. It takes many avenues. So God does not give material prosperity to squander in this world. These people think it is, but they're going to find out they're wrong. God has no problem people living in moderation. If they can afford it in their job and they're a doctor, a lawyer, and they can make money honestly, but they're still going to have to be rich in good works. If you're not rich and barely make it, God don't expect much from you. But if you got a lot, he expects more. He said, be, Paul said, you that are rich, be rich in good works. Seven times he talks about money, and he never encourages any Christian in having it. Isn't that interesting? He warns them against it, having much. He said, because you'll fall into many temptations that'll drown you in hell. So he's talking about responsibility. So a lot of Christians could not handle money. 
and God knows it, and they don't get it. <laughs> and they live day to day, week to week, by faith. And that's God's general way, okay? So it's for the body of Christ and for those in need. It's the minister give kindness and love and help, okay? This material prosperity teaching is covetousness, which is idolatry. Again, quoting, Paul said, no idolater has eternal life in him. He does not have Christ. He's greedy. He's tied to the world and its pleasures. That's what's really good. I've talked to these people. I've been in it for 50 years. And I've seen some of these people after 30 years, and they're still talking about their Cadillac and their car and how God's prosper. And all I hear is physical, material. And we hear nothing spiritual because they never can grow spiritually because they're heretic and they're deceived. And they think they're God's king's kid. Well, they're going to stand speechless when they stand in judgment day, their mouth's going to open and they're going to see the truth and that's going to be the horror for them because they didn't want it here. Anytime you talked about correcting them, oh, they don't want to hear that. Or God wants us to prosper. See, they pervert the word of God to their own destruction. That's what the scripture says, to their own destruction. Peter said he called Paul's writing scripture he said they twist it, they torture it to their own destruction as they do all scripture. It was Peter who tells us that Paul's writings were scripture. Isn't that astounding? Peter wasn't in conflict with Paul. Paul wasn't in conflict with James. That's a bunch of foolishness. They weren't competing with each other. They were gifting and calling in different ways. So he said they'll twist it. They were doing it back then. They're still doing it today. All of this faith and grace, once saved, always saved, eternal security, that was being preached then. And even Jesus called it something I hate. He called it Nicolaitan teaching. Falseness. It just comes in a different avenue today. Okay. So if you're rich and do have abundance, Paul says, be rich in good works. He said, I've learned how to have a lot and have nothing. He's learned either way. And Christians have to learn that. Then administrations and deacons and others, you're to do it well, for you're gifted to do that. Some have greater gifts of mercy. They bear with those who wear anybody else out. They help the simple-minded. Those that don't even know how to live daily because they're lacking and normal intelligence, some of them. They're like children in a way. But he said they are cheerful and joyful, knowing that Christ sees it. People with all these great ministries, what's great before the Lord? When people talk about great ministry, they want to be seen. Oh, I want God to go. No, you want to share the glory. You're a fool. You haven't learned the will of God. Uh-huh. See, you really don't want to please the Lord. You want to be seen. See, that's why Paul's take heed when you think you stand. That's why he was harsher on elders that sinned. He said, rebuke them before everybody. Everybody. Can you imagine that? They exposed your sin publicly to the whole church. I'm talking about gross sin. You don't find them doing that to a baby Christian. A pastor can pile it aside and deal with them. 
But he said, they would deserve double honor, but they deserve double punishment too. Said, so do you want such great ministry? That's what comes along with it. So he sees, and these people with great ministries of mercy, they continue on when they never see much fruit. But God sees what they're doing, okay? He sees what they bear with. The retarded, the mentally disturbed, those who need help constantly, gifts are, are great. And they're equal to and superior than some martyrs. See, people that all it don't take much to die. If even Jesus said, He said, well, so what? They can kill your body. They can't do nothing to your soul. See, if we're taking up the cross daily, we're supposed to be dying anyway. People die of disease and cancers, have suffered great more than most martyrs did. You die of cancer for five years, eating your system up. There's no glory in itself. The Lord does it as a witness for some. But again, it don't mean that they're top place in heaven. He sees what they bore. He sees others that bore it quietly and got no attention. And that's why he says the first shall be last, and the last shall be first. See, because he evaluates everything as he sees everything. Okay. So they plow and dig and water for years, and they don't see no real results. Because some of the retarded and the mental and others, they're not going to change. But someone has to take care of them. So the first shall be last, and the last shall be first. We all must die to self to serve Christ. So if we are killed in his good service, we're good. But it's commendable to die daily. <laughs> That's what he said, take up your cross daily. That means you head for death. Your will is laid aside when God's will is involved. That's what it means. Your will doesn't get its way. You choose to serve the Lord when your temptations and testings are to serve yourself. Okay, But it's more commendable for a person to live out 30, 40, 60 years overcoming the world, the flesh, and the devil, he's going to get a greater reward than a person that got saved and was killed six months later for the gospel. Oh, I'm not undermining the martyr, but it ain't no great thing for the Lord. He called him for that. He called Stephen. Can you imagine if Stephen had lived 30, 40 years, what a great apostle he would have been? And he was gifted to preach and evangelize. He was killed within a few hours and that was over. What about the one like John who lived to be 90-some years old, outlived all of them by 15, 20 years, that he was commendable, and he wasn't martyred, but he'll get a greater reward than a lot of martyrs. He laid the foundation. He was there in the beginning. He was faithful to the end. Can you imagine living that long and staying faithful in this corrupt world when it's going to get worse and worse? Paul's death of having his head cut off was a release for him. They just chopped his head off. I'm sure he thought it was easy compared to that uh, stake in the flesh he had to bear and the excessive persecution he had to put up with. I'm sure many a time he thought, boy, I wish I could go. And he said, I have a desire to part. <laughs> he said, but it's more needful that I stay here. He was doing the will of the Lord. But at least he was open. Whatever you want, Lord. So 
He had to fight extreme demonic powers, persecutions. This went on for years. Uh -huh. I'm sure many a day he said, oh, I wouldn't mind them chopping my head off today. Get me into the kingdom. They'll just usher me into the kingdom. Verse 9. Now he changes somewhat. He gets off of the direct gifts. Let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor what is evil and cling to what is good. Okay? Let your love, your goodwill, your kindness be real and not false. Most cover their deeds with hypocrisy, pretending, acting. Well, the word hypocrite comes from the word actor. That's what it means. They both mean similar. Actor and hypocrite are synonyms. If you look at the root words, an actor is pretending he's something else. And that's what a hypocrite's doing. And what did Jesus say about the hypocrite? They shall receive the greater damnation. Overall, with people being punished for their sins, the hypocrite's going to get a greater punishment because he's pretending and he's a deceiver. So he accused the Pharisees as a whole of that. He said, you claim Jehovah is your father. He said, the devil's your father. You can imagine why they wanted to kill him. Uh-huh. Yet our light should shine before men, but better that your light shines before Christ. See, I've talked to many people, and they're a different person when they're around other people. They're putting on their best. They think they're doing good. Well, they are. You put on, but you're living before Christ all the time. What do you think is more important, living before Christ or before people? If you live before Christ, you won't have to worry too about how you're going to act around people. But I've known people in the churches and the family complains and says, oh, he's a lousy father, he's a lousy husband. But when he's at church, everybody thinks he's so wonderful because he puts on this act. But it's not genuine, see? So if we learn to live before the... Someone told me one time, I said, I always remember that. He said, remember to live before Christ because you can't be a hypocrite before him. And I thought, oh, yeah, you can't fool him. Mm -hmm. Whatever happened to, you think about this too, surely sometimes you don't let your left hand know what your right hand's doing. See, your light is a shine before the world, but every deed you do, everything you do is not for to be seen. Your life will be a lifestyle anyway. But we can give, and we're supposed to do things for people and the body, and sometimes nobody's to know about it. Then we can see, are we doing it for the Lord? Or are we doing it to get attention from people? So I purposely give certain things to make sure nobody knows about it. Because I said, at least this I'll be rewarded for. Some of the other things I have to wonder sometimes. He may say, wood, hay, and stubble, silver, and gold. He's going to evaluate all of this. But if you do something quietly at times, and nobody, the left hand and the right hand is the body of Christ. He said, don't let your left hand know what your right hand does. So there's times you honor the Lord more than you do the body of Christ. Jesus said, you have the poor with you always, and you can always help them. But he said, you don't have me. He was talking to the apostles then. He said, I'll, I'll be leaving. So he was saying service to Christ is superior than service to people. You have to love the Lord thy God first, and then your neighbor as yourself. 
Uh -huh. So if you don't love God properly, all that other stuff don't matter. It's vain. It will help you a bit of good, okay? So we are to hate evil and deceit, falseness and display for self-glory. So cling like a man to a tree in a storm. Cling to what's good. Grasp it, what's right and what's good, he said. Abhor which is evil. That means hate it. The fear of the Lord is to hate evil. The fear of the Lord is to depart from evil. The fear of the Lord will keep you out of hell. The fear of the Lord will say, I cannot sin against him or I'll end up in hell. That's what the Christian should realize about. There's no fear of the Lord today because God's a Santa Claus and loves everybody and overlooks. It's not true. The wrath of God is going to be displayed and most adult humans are going to the lake of fire and experience it for eternity because they don't fear the Lord. So if you fear the Lord properly, you avoid sin. Because that's the only thing. When Paul said, nothing can separate us from the love of Christ, and he named all these things, he never said sin. Because he was talking about the Christian walking in the Spirit. He said, nothing can separate you. But sin can separate you from God. Don't kid yourself. Okay? Verse 10. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Give preference to one another in honor. Okay? It means to be given to. This is what it means to be devoted to. You're given to it. It's a special, you focus on it. In kindness and love to the Christian, like you would if you had a close brother or sister. That's what it means. A close family relationship, not one that's not close, but that's what he's likened it to, then that's how you should treat them. In relationships, prefer or give place to them. It means to give up and do, but people misinterpret this. This does not mean when authority and ministry comes into play, you give place to them, you don't. You don't sacrifice the ministry of rebuking and warning because you don't want to displease someone, then you're unfaithful to God. So you don't lay aside the ministry. He's talking about, in general, don't consider yourself personally any better. You just have different ministry and authority. And you're going to answer for more, so it's no reason to get puffed up. If you think you've got a little more, you realize you're going to answer for a little more. Uh -huh. It sort of equalizes it, doesn't it? Your gift of calling, especially the five-fold ministry, is not to be compromised or laid aside for a friendship, relationship, or anything. See, we answer to the Lord. And Paul himself said, and many times he tells us, serve this and serve people. And then he comes out and says, if I was a servant of men, I could not be the servant of the Lord. So he's not talking about ministry here. And Peter, when he said, it's not right to leave the word of God, he wasn't against the deacon's work. People had to do that. He said, my function is higher, and I'm more responsible for the ministry of the word and prayer. So I'm not going to prefer someone else to say, oh, I'll, I'll sit and do your job so I can look and appear to. I heard a false minister once. Well, he may have been saved, I don't know, but years ago. He got up and teached. I, I left. <laughs> He said that Peter was getting proud because he didn't want to serve tables. And that was just, I thought, you foolish man. 
You don't even know the word of God. You ought to go home and cut your tongue out. I thought, you stupid fool. You foolish. Paul would have called, Jesus would have said, you foolish man. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he thought Peter was being proud because he couldn't serve tables. He was an idiot. See, we got people like that teaching foolish and people end up just like them. No, we need to rightly handle the word of God. You do not give up this preaching or ministry of the word for anybody because you're responsible for God for it. And you're not going to answer to these people. You're going to answer to the Lord for what you've done with the gifts and callings. And you better be true. One of the first that are going to be cast in the lake of fires are all liars. And if you can't stand with the word of God, you're a liar. You should get out and leave it alone. Leave it to somebody who can do it. We must teach and exhort the truth. We never consider the hearer's opinion. We consider Christ's opinion. So when we're saying preferring one another, we're not talking about ministry. It means in everyday living, we're kind and nice. We don't tell uh, our everyday, well, I'm better than you. Uh, you sit over here. Uh -uh, we treat them like we want to be treated. And we have to remember they're all the body of Christ. And remember in Christ Jesus, says spiritually, there's no male, no female, no bond, no master, no slave. He sees them as the child of God. So he don't care if you're an apostle or you just got saved. He treats in his relationship, he sees them as his. And he doesn't measure them against each other. Okay? See, people aren't gifted with one thing they need, and you'll find it lacking. They aren't gifted with wisdom and knowledge. They do not have the spirit of wisdom and revelation because, see, that comes from the Lord's help. You can study Scripture all you want, but until he inspires it and gives you insight, it ain't going to help nobody. It ain't going to help nobody. Okay. Let's go ahead and close at 10 because I don't want to break my thought in the middle of a verse. Lord, give us wisdom, understanding. Give us spiritual wisdom and discernment into your word and your ways. In Jesus' name, amen.